0: Welcome, thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast for an update on the ongoing work to modernize the oversight of the veterinary profession in Ontario. I'm Jan Robinson, Registrar and Chief Executive Officer with the College of Veterinarians of Ontario, and I'm joined by College President, Dr. Tyrrell DeLangley. Welcome, Tyrrell. Thank you. We're also pleased to welcome representatives from the Ontario Association of Veterinary Technicians. We're joined today by OAVT President Kirsty Clarita and the Executive Director and Registrar Elise Wickett. Welcome to you both and thank you for attending.
1: Thanks, Jan. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you for having us. So I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. OAVT has been and continues to be a key partner. And, you know, we say this not lightly, actually, as this is such an important goal for both of our professions. So, Terrell, I'm gonna turn over to you right now to give some more background.
2: Thanks, Jen. Boy, there's a lot to cover in the background, but I'll try and be concise. Um, Our council initiated its work on the modernization of the legislation back in 2014, when it became clear that the college's current legislation, the Veterinarians Act, was becoming a barrier to good and sound regulatory practices. Our current legislation was enacted in 1990. And not surprisingly, there have been significant changes in veterinary medicine since that time and very substantial shifts in public's expectations. Modernization of the Veterinarians Act is essential to provide the profession with the best tools possible to protect animals and the public. Increasingly, we're seeing the challenges to the public and to the veterinary profession due to the limitations of the current legislation. In 2018, we sent recommendations to the Minister of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. Any changes to the college's legislative authority would be the provincial government's responsibility. The recommendations for legislative reform, all of which have benefited from extensive public consultation, These address the hurdles we have noted in the legislation. They include improved public access to veterinary services and improving their access to low risk animal care services, adjusting requirements related to medical records that result in unnecessary burdens on veterinarians, addressing outdated accountability and oversight mechanisms that cause the public to question the college's authority and commitment to transparency. The full report on the recommendations is available on the college website for anyone who wants to take a deeper dive into it. Central to the modernization of the legislation is the recognition of veterinary medicine as a system and acknowledging the skill set of the veterinary technicians within the team. This is about real and meaningful change to how veterinary medicine is regulated in Ontario. We are so pleased to have the Ontario Association of Veterinary Technicians as partners in this process. We have been together with OAVT on this journey for several years. From the college's perspective, this work began prior to when I joined the council. The process has enabled the college to work with all of our partners and stakeholders. From the college's perspective, our partnership with OAVT has greatly enriched the work to modernize our governing legislation. Christy, would you like to comment on our collaboration?
3: Thank you, I I would. I'd I'd share your opinion that having the CBO and the OADT working together over these past number of years has been a tremendous collaboration and will go a long way in making an impact on, on how veterinary medicine is regulated in Ontario and the modernization of how veterinary medicine is being practiced.
2: There are just over 5,000 veterinarians in Ontario. And while there are solo practitioners, in the majority of veterinary practices, animal care is delivered by a team, which includes one or more veterinarians and one or more technicians, and generally with additional support from veterinary assistants and staff. I've had the great pleasure of working with a large number of registered uh, veterinary technicians throughout my career and I really value the skills and prof- professionalism that they bring to their responsibilities. Kirsty, can you share your perspective on the role of RVTs as being integral members of an animal healthcare team?
3: RBTs are extensively trained. Our post-secondary curriculum includes anatomy, physiology, animal nursing, imaging techniques, reproduction, neonatal care, dentistry, One Health, biosecurity and pharmacology. Through that lens, RVTs are currently underutilized based on the core competencies required for their registration. And RVTs have completed rigorous training and a demanding registration process in order to achieve their level of skill and knowledge in veterinary medicine. RVTs are also required to meet ambitious continuing education requirements and adopt lifelong learning.
2: So currently, veterinary medicine is an exclusive scope of practice model of regulation. What that means is that no one other than a veterinarian may practice what's described as veterinary medicine unless under the delegation and supervision of a licensed member of the college. The proposed model acknowledges that veterinary medicine is a system that includes defined areas of co-accountability between a veterinarian and a veterinary technician. Christy, can you provide our listeners with an overview of the new model?
3: Sure. As you mentioned, the proposed model recognizes the areas of co-accountability between a veterinarian and the veterinary technician and would license both under one piece of legislation. The legislative reform recommendations introduce a model of interprofessional care that has oversight balanced with the recognition of professional skills and judgment of those providing the care. The proposal recognizes the credentialed skill set of veterinary technicians and promotes collaborative teamwork and co-accountability with the veterinarian in keeping with client consent and responsible supervision as well as independence where defined by law.
0: You know, as I you know, listen to this conversation, it's it's really so very interesting, isn't it? And there are so many elements uh, that we can touch on. It's uh but you know, I think Elise. Where I really want to go next is uh, to the demand for veterinary services that have been growing over the several years, and that's a very cyclical thing. But gee whiz, it's been really on an uphill climb, you know, for at least the last four. And veterinarians have seen even more of a significant surge in demand recently. Now, some of that, of course, you know, is due to the pandemic. It's also, you know, a growing population of companion animals needing veterinary services. Um, But these factors, when you put them all together with combining with the shortage of veterinarians, and I might add veterinary technicians, it's become increasingly difficult for the public to access veterinary care for animals. And I'm not even just going to say companion animals, because this is um, uh, food animal practice is also challenged. And this is in not just um, rural areas of the province, it's urban and rural. So this is a strain and it's a strain on services, it impacts veterinarians, it impacts RVTs, but you know what, Elise, I was really wondering, can you talk a little bit about the growing demand for services and how you see this impacting RVTs in particular?
1: Yes, sure, Jan, I I agree with that. The workforce shortages are not uncommon in rural and remote areas of Ontario and current shortages of veterinarians and RVTs are expanding province-wide. While Ontario has over 4,000 registered veterinary technicians, many are being underutilized based on their core competencies. And I think this is where there's a real opportunity. RVTs can be leveraged to create efficiencies and address potential animal health issues through prevention in clinics and other veterinary settings.
0: You know, uh, and it's interesting, isn't it? And although we wouldn't want to necessarily uh, be so repetitive, it really does all circle back to one primary option, you know, to support uh, the public's access to safe, quality, veterinary medicine, veterinary service comes back to legislative reform and enabling uh, veterinarians and veterinary technicians to better utilize the knowledge and skills um, of each other across the board. So, at least from OAVT's perspective, uh, can you talk just a bit more about the knowledge and skills of RVTs and how they're really part of the solution? to this shortage that we're talking about.
1: Yes, absolutely. And Kirsty did a great job of articulating the skill sets of RVTs as they um, enter the profession. And I think utilizing RVTs with to their full scope of practice could help improve um, affordability and certainly accessibility and efficiency of animal care services. Facilitating the appropriate allocation of tasks through a model of co-accountability that we've touched on earlier will enable RVTs to better function as part of the veterinary team. The ability of an RVT to initiate care in certain specific instances supports their full utilization as well. This is one example of how we can work to alleviate current and future issues associated with the availability of veterinary care through the modernization of the Veterinarians Act. I think there are other opportunities as well to um, utilize RVTs to their full scope, specifically in the areas of food animal, veterinary services, uh, nutrition education, rehabilitation, public health, One Health activities, as well as uh, client relations and, and general practice administration. Overall, RVTs can help free up a veterinarian's time to focus on those tasks that only they, as a veterinarian can perform, while RVTs simultaneously work within their own appropriate scope. So the
0: college, the OAVT, and the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association all support amending the Veterinarians Act as the most efficient way to modernize the regulation of veterinary medicine in Ontario. And I should say, while the OVMA is not represented here today, they have been a really big part of all of these discussions and they are great supporters of RVTs. Modernizing the Veterinarians Act is an opportunity for real and meaningful change to how veterinary medicine is regulated in Ontario. And it's essential for any piece of legislation to provide every profession with the best tools possible. And in this case, the best tools possible to protect animals and the public. So based on direction from the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, and I might say the current minister, the College has shifted its focus at the moment to regulatory amendments. So rather than changes to the legislation, uh, meaning the Veterinarians Act at this time, we're looking at regulations. Since 2019, the College has approved regulatory language related to registration, facility accreditation, uh, delegation, quality assurance, professional misconduct, our advertising rules, and those things that apply to medical records. So the Council of the College will continue this review and we look forward to public consultation, might I say, when we get there.
1: So there's probably a number of questions coming up for people right now and we wanted to just touch on some of those to uh, give you a bit more information. In terms of moving forward with uh, consultations and the ability for people to provide feedback, Jan, I'm wondering if you could take us through that process.
0: Well, I think that in terms of where we've been already, the College uh, actually in the College Council, I should say, in its development process related to anything related to regulations is always in consultation. So we do consultation in order for Council to make decisions as to how it proceeds and and listens to that, um, to as many voices, actually. Uh, Around what it is that they would like to recommend or put forward, so that we've already had nine or ten of those, I think uh, so far uh, in our processes, but I think what we're really talking about now is at the level of government um, and I'm not and I cannot speak uh, obviously on that behalf, but what I can tell you is is when uh, new regulations new legislation is being contemplated, it is posted for public consultation on uh, the government site with notice for that period Uh, and most usually those consultation periods are in the realm of about 60 days and give uh, all voices an opportunity to be heard and then digested by those uh, individuals who have the opportunity to craft it for um, either approval at whatever level of approval it's necessary, I guess really, for um, then being able to be put into place and enacted.
1: Yeah, thanks. I think that's a really great point to make that there's ample opportunity for everyone to provide comment um, on different pieces proposed to move forward. One of the Uh, one of the thoughts that comes to mind is how will, um, going forward with a new regulatory body, how will veterinarians and RVTs uh, work together to ensure that all voices are brought
0: forward to the table? So, you know, (laughs) okay, I I think maybe what would be helpful is for people to recognize how voices are heard right now. Uh, So in the current, in, in a current regulatory structure, such as a regulatory college that has a piece of legislation uh, such as the College of veterinarians at the moment, or a number of other professions that we can think of, uh, there are structures that are beyond council, so there is council, there are statutory committees, there are also non statutory committees, and then beyond that, there are working groups and advisory groups and other ways in which voices are heard. under a new uh, act that wouldn't be any different, and so uh, what we'd be looking at is, I think probably, and I, I don't know, you know, Elise, Kirsty, um, Terrell, you may have some thoughts you want to add to this. What will be different is just the composition of how that works. So making sure that the um, that the uh, voices that we need heard are put into those various compositions of a committee or an advisory group or. Or council, and so that work has yet to be done. That's not definitely complete at any level, but it needs to be proportionate to the issue being uh, the issues that are dealt with, so that we're making sure that the right voices are around the table to make uh, good and solid decisions based on regulatory risk and and mitigation of harm. I'm not sure if that was really getting at everything you were wanting to chat about, Elise, but I think that there um, there the assurance of uh, breadth is in um, composition, but also around outreach related to stakeholders related to how we look at um, advisory groups. It's not just council, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
3: And I can Cheryl. see why that makes, you know both parties a little bit apprehensive. They're both currently very uh, structured as a self-regulatory model. And so the idea for each profession that they're now going to be working in conjunction with each other, leaves them both feeling a little bit strange because it's new territory for us. And I think what, if I was to maybe amplify one of the takeaways from listening to Jan's response myself is that we're not saying you're not part of regulating your profession anymore. What we're saying is we're talking about a model that has modernized how medicine is happening in the clinics where there's a team to the medicine with different levels of accountability. And the same thing would be happening at the regulatory level as well, where both professions are at the table and they're talking about medicine and the regulation of medicine for the protection of public and animal safety as a whole. And I think that the unknown, it makes it scary, but it doesn't make it bad. It just makes it new. And and it's something that we continue to work with together collaboratively to talk about it and to come together and, and come up with the composition numbers. Cheryl, you were wanting I, to add. Yeah,
2: I was just going to add on that uh, on that. I was going to add that technicians I've um, had conversations with who are in uh, at the cl- on the floor in the clinic in the various clinics that I'm responsible for um, are really looking forward to this. They are really looking forward to the. Uh, acknowledgement of their role that they play on a daily basis. Um, and veterinarians as well are really uh, looking forward to this. Uh, the practices I'm dealing with uh, are generally busy practices that use, uh, use technicians extensively, and they're looking forward uh, to having their team members assigned that level of respect and accountability that they've been working so hard to achieve is, is through their schooling and through their uh, on-the-floor um, on training in the clinic. So I, I, I think that this is a win-win-win situation. Um, the technicians and veterinarians will both win, the, the, the practices will win because of efficiency and uh, um, ability to assign tasks to individuals. Uh, that have the ability to undertake uh, certain things that they may not be, there may be questions about at present. But the big winners, I think, are going to be the public. The public are going to be the big winners here. There are so many areas uh, uh, that come, situations that come before the college, the shortage of veterinarians, the lack of uh, accessibility in remote areas. Um, this will, this will be the most significant way that those can be addressed, in my opinion. And for those of us who have been around the table for a while discussing this, um, that, that's very obvious. Um, so I know we've done, uh, the college has done what it can from the legislative perspective, but really until the act is addressed, we the, the holistic approach to this um, really requires that for, for this to happen. So I, I just wanted to add that comment.
0: So thank you so much to our participants today. It's been great to have you with us and great to have this conversation. Thank you to you who've joined us for tuning in on this important topic. A review of its governing legislation is one of the most significant and impactful tasks that can be undertaken by any profession. It's important and necessary work and we're committed. We're all committed to ensuring the veterinary profession and the public are engaged in the process and kept up to date on the progress being made on the modernization of the oversight of this important uh, profession and professions and service. The College values the contributions from all of our partners in this important work and we're particularly appreciative of our colleagues at the OABT for your ongoing collaboration on what is an exciting and definitely, as you can tell, ambitious project. As always, both organizations are available to respond to any questions you may have. You can reach the college at cvo.org or oabt at oabt.org. Thanks so much.